Whether you've overdone it at the gym, at the dinner table, or on the couch, AHM Health Insurance have a cover for you. Join direct at ahm.com.au. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SEN NBA podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Tyler, and alongside me is Luke Sicari. What's going on, buddy? Not much, Christos. It's an exciting time, so we're getting closer and closer to the season with every passing day, so it's a good time to be a basketball fan. We love it. And Chris Silva, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Just counting down the days till opening night and, most importantly, ring night. And what we're going to be doing today, we're going to continue our division preview. Last week, we had your boys. We were talking about your boys, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes, this sir. week, we get to touch on the Pacific Division, Atlantic. which includes what, the Atlantic Division, which includes <laughs> my boys, the Boston Celtics. I'm, we've got a different studio. I'm rattled. We're in but a we're different studio. So we've right. got no audio. We're it's a like, bit off our game. It's like we're in a, a hostile environment in a, in a away arena. Yeah. I called you Chris De Silva before. Well, I called you Chris Takari <laughs> before, and now I just got it wrong again. We're just going to continue moving on. I don't know how many mistakes we're going to make this podcast. But we'll see how we go. We'll start off with the Boston Celtics. Yes. And this is a team that's very, very close to my heart. This is my boys. Last season, finished fifth, 48-34 and record. But it was very close. It was pretty much a a four-way tie uh, from third. We did not hold a tiebreaker pretty much. So it uh, ended up being not an ideal season for us. But... Bringing in Al Horford is obviously the biggest uh, in for the Celtics. Lost a couple of guys in Jared Sanger and Evan Turner, but in the end, you'd say that the Celtics had a pretty successful offseason. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Al Horford, he, the Al Horford signing is so good in so many ways. It breaks the mold that Boston couldn't sign a free agent, an all-star free agent. That was kind of a... Um, it, it was a perceived idea among the NBA world, but Horford signing, he was probably the second best you could do after Durant. Yeah, and that was the thing. Everyone would have been wrapped if you would have told us 12 months ago, if you would have told Boston supporters 12 months ago that Al Horford would have come to us. Absolutely. But the time that that Al Horford was coming to us during that week was the whole Durant thing as well. So once we were having a a pitch meeting with Durant, that was when we actually signed Horford. And there were words that Durant really wanted to play with Horford. So we thought, all right, as soon as actually ended up signing Horford, then we're, we're in for Durant as well. He wants to come to the Celtics. He's keen to jump on board. And then when he didn't come to the Celtics then a lot of Celtic supporters kind of felt a little bit empty and thought, oh, well, we thought we we're going to get Durant. We didn't get him in the end. But Horford is still a big signing. So no Celtics fans should be discouraged from the fact that Durant didn't end up coming to the club. No, and I think they should be encouraged that they got in the room with Durant, which not every team can do. So, and we're probably down to the last three, you'd say. Uh, absolutely. So, it was a Tom Brady effect. Exactly. Absolutely. So, and, and the Kelly Olenek effect. <laughs> and the Marcus Smart. <laughs> the Marcus Smart effect. The whole team's effect. Uh, but, yeah, like I said... Getting in the room with Durant is huge because it's a very select group and it shows that they're really one of the elite, I yeah. think, for me. And I think with the Horford signing as well, just moving back onto the court, it's so big because it gives Boston a pick and, a legitimately pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop partner with Isaiah Thomas. So Isaiah Thomas is so good at attacking and playmaking off a screen and roll. Now you plug Horford in setting those screens instead of, say, a Jared Salinger or an Amir Johnson. And Horford's a guy who's got range that extends out to the three-point line. You don't want him Which shooting, is very important. Yeah, you don't want him shooting him on a consistent basis, but he can hit him. His mid-range shooting is unbelievable. And he, he's a really nice finisher around the basket because he's got a soft touch. In many ways, you would say he's a perfect today's big man, right? I mean, he can shoot oh, yeah. it from anywhere. And most, most importantly, he's a two-way player. And he has great core vision as well. Absolutely. So you've got a guy that can pass, that can dribble, that can shoot, and he can defend maybe two or three positions. He can, When he switches out onto a guard, he can corral them uh, to the baseline if need be. So I think it's a very good acquisition for the Celtics. Brad Stevens is certainly going to love this guy. 
This is a guy that can Absolutely. do everything. He's kind of the Swiss Army knife, can play multiple yeah. positions, like you said, can go both ways. He's going to certainly kind of solidify that starting lineup for the Celtics. We've already seen a couple of, in a couple of preseason games how beneficial he has been to the squad. There has been some issues with the secondary unit at the moment, uh, at least in preseason, but I'm sure Brad Stevens will figure that out. Other additions include Jalen Brown, Demetrius Jackson, Gerald Green. Jalen Brown's a big one that we probably should touch on a little bit with the number three pick. Uh, I think a lot of Celtics fans, again, thought that there was going to be a trade in the works, possibly with Minnesota. So uh, we thought maybe we'd get a, another point guard in or, or make that big move for, for Butler, something like that. In the end, nothing eventuated. Jalen Brown comes in. This is a guy that's incredibly athletic, can be something special. He's got an incredibly high ceiling, yeah. but he just hasn't quite shown enough at the, at the highest level yet. In college, we saw him last season for Cal. Didn't quite have the season that many predicted, but he's certainly someone that you can have a look at for this, this season. I think I think Jalen Brown really fits the mold of what a, what the Celtics are trying to bu- uh, trying to build. Excuse me, because he's a really tough tough defender out mm. on the perimeter. So we spoke to him on draft night as part of the assembled media. We spoke to him via satellite, and he said it. He said he was so happy to become a Celtic because he feels like he's he's a defensive player. Fits the identity. That's, he fits the identity. Yeah. He's going to Brad Stevens, who's one of the brightest minds in the league, which, just on a side note, it's really going to be really good to see how he uses Horford in yeah. so many situations on offensively and defensively. But back to Jalen Brown. I mean, his minutes might be staggered to start a little bit. He doesn't provide much on the offensive end just yet, but he makes up for it defensively because he's an unbelievable defender. And that's my only question with Boston is because everyone knows, we all know how good they are defensively, right? But... Have they got too many guys who are forcing him to play, you know, four on five on the offensive end? Yeah. You know, uh, Marcus Smart's another one who doesn't provide too much offensively. Historically um, terrible uh, three-point yeah. shooter last season. So for them to take that next step into really challenging the Cavs and trying to get the number one seed in the East, I think they're going to have to see improvement from those players. Smart, even Avery Bradley to, ex- to an yep. extent, although he is a better shooter. Jay Crowd is another one. Yeah, another one. So... If they see improvement from those guys on the offensive end, I think that's where they can take the next step. Yeah, that's why you wanted to really focus on the 2015 uh, draft selections that we had in Terry Rozier and RJ Hunter. Terry Rozier is a guy that's coming through who showed a lot in summer league, didn't play many minutes last year, but is certainly someone who can kind of step up and take that Evan Turner role a little bit and play those extra minutes. And RJ Hunter is someone that can shoot the three, who was probably projected to be one of our best three-point shooters yeah. once he comes into his game a little bit, but he really hasn't come on as much as I'm sure everyone at, uh, at the Celtics would have hoped. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of roller coaster and goes. James James Young's another one as well. Yeah, yeah I who think really he's just about dead. Yeah. yeah, he's been the, he, well. He's still one of the youngest on on the yeah. roster. He's still very very young, but he hasn't shown anything. He was Mister Potential as well. Exactly with but, Marcus Smart. Yeah, he's in. he's probably the one that's on the periphery at the moment. That's going to be the first to get cut. Well, they're they're filled with young talent that can got sky high potential and. I guess fans and you know pundits alike we're looking to see the talent eventuate. Yeah, and them. I think it'd be it'd be remiss to not mention all the assets this team has. So they've obviously got the net Brooklyn Nets, who we'll touch on in just a minute. Boston owns their next two first round picks, which, which are sure to be, be top, top three. three picks. Yep. Yeah. So and then Boston have a fair amount of cap space as well. So it, the the main concern would be that this team still hasn't got a super. A, a, Real, I mean, as good as Thomas and Horford will be together, it's not the scariest one-two combo in the league. Correct. And it's not going to be enough to knock off Cleveland. And and Horford is 30, so he's not, yeah. Yeah, not so a spring, he's not pick, young, spring right. chicken. But the Celtics, and you know Danny Ainge is a master negotiator, so the Celtics have so, so many 
assets they can use. If they get to the mid-season, the trade deadline, and they're not quite where they want to be, they could easily chase. They, they might. But they be, haven't been able to pull it off so far. That's they the haven't issue. yet, but they've still got the assets there. And you think eventually they're going to pay off. And like at the end of the day, if it doesn't, well, here's another top three draft pick walking into the system. Yeah, the good thing about Danny Ainge is that he doesn't want to lose any trades. Yeah. He wants to make sure that he's got the absolute best trade available to him. He's not going to trade just for the sake of trading, which I think is a good move because there's been a lot of pressure from the Boston Celtics fan base to actually make that big move now that we've got so much uh, assets. But he hasn't actually caved in and said, all right, I'll just trade for the sake of trading. I'll get a name in and we'll see how we go. He wants to make sure that they actually make the most out yeah, of those assets. And, and the thing about trading is I think fans always, as fans, you know, we, we want to see moves. We want to see blockbuster trades. Once you trade in a guy, you have to convince him to stay, right? Yeah. The last thing you want to do is mortgage out the farm on this one guy. Man, Isaiah's played. going to get him to stay anyway. Isaiah's the master <laughs> recruiter. Yeah. If everyone in the league wants to play with Isaiah. And Marcus Smart. And Marcus Smart. <laughs> and I think that, that's important to note as well, because if you look at the superstars that could be available in the trade market this year, I think you'd mainly look at Blake Griffin, who's yeah. out of contract at season's end. Yep. So can you convince him prior to making the trade that, Blake, we're going we're gonna to make a trade for you, but you've got to commit to us long term? And it, it, no player is going to lock themselves into that without exploring this free agency market yeah, where the salary cap is just rising through the roof. I think most players realize, though, that the Celtics do have an incredibly talented and young list. They're heading in the right direction, and they've got so many assets, so you're not really mortgaging the house once you actually come to the Celtics. So exactly. with a lot yeah. of teams, you might want to make your way there, but then the team has to give up so much to get to you. Get, yeah. There's no real talent around you. There's still going to be that in Boston because you only really have to give away yeah. future picks, and, and that should be enough to get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. And... I think one of the things that deters, you know, big free agents from coming east is still, I think, the LeBron James factor. The fact that they yeah. have to go through LeBron while LeBron's it's not in the... much easier in the West, though. Yeah, I was going to say. Much easier in the West. Much but, easier. Uh, is it easier than the Steph Curry and Kevin Durant factor now? Uh, and the Spurs. You still have the Spurs right up there. No one's been able to take down King James for seven years. So. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> All right, so what do we have as, as predictions for the Celtics, both in the division and uh, overall? I have Boston third in the Eastern Conference, and second in the in the division. Yeah, I have the same, both behind the Raptors? Yeah. yeah. See, I have them first in the division. I've got them second overall. Mm-hmm. So and obviously Cleveland's first, I've got them second overall. That's not being biased. No, and, and that difference between Toronto and Boston is only going to be a couple minimal. of games. Yeah, and yeah. It's very, very... I was going to touch coin. on this at, at the end, but I'll, I'll touch on it now. It's kind of, there's three tiers in this division. The first division is the Celtics and Toronto. The second division is the Knicks. And then the third division is Philly and the Nets. It's yeah. essentially like that. Yeah. So yeah. you don't know what uh, who's going to be one and two. You don't really know who's going to be four and five. But those tiers are pretty much set in stone, you'd say. Yeah, it's a, it's a close division, but a far division at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. We'll move on to the Nets. Last season, finished 14th in the division, 21 in the uh, in the conference. conference. 14th in the division, that'd be terrible. Uh, 21 <laughs> and 61 overall. A lot, of, a lot of additions, a lot of subtractions, but a whole lot of nothing as well, Luke. Yeah, and it's funny because you look at these two teams, Boston and Brooklyn, and obviously they're starting to Ryan going back to the KG and Paul Pierce trade. And when that trade was made, if you would have said in two to three years' time that Boston would probably be the best position team in the league in terms of assets and current talent compared to Brooklyn, who are the complete opposite. I cannot think of a worse situation at the moment than the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Now, that might sound harsh, but you look at it. They're, re- they're rebuilding. Their only real trade asset is Brook Lopez, who we'll touch on a bit later because he can still play. And then they haven't got their draft picks. So they've... 
they didn't have it last year. They this year it's um it's got they have the right to swap it with Boston. So whatever Boston's first round pick is going to be going to go to Brooklyn. So but you're basically giving up a top three pick for a pick that will probably be in the late twenties. And then in 2018, Boston own it outright. So it's not it's not a great situation for the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, there's just not much there. Yeah, yeah not at all. Um, and you can see how much assets a team has when their biggest free agency acquisition is Jeremy Lin. What about former number one pick Anthony Bennett? No comment. Mate, <laughs> no com- well, let's just say, just, hurts, just quickly on Bennett, I mean, some <laughs> players can thrive in situations where there's literally no pressure, no pressure whatsoever. You'd think he's going to get an opportunity. Now, I'm not saying he's going to do well, but I mean, some players take a few years to really blush him. I mean... You, Are you predicting that he's actually going to be half I, decent this year? I'm not, but what I'm saying is, if he's ever going to, it'll be this year. But this, he won't. This year's going to be the opportunity, but again... Yeah, because... Guys, a guy, a guy like that, you know, he gets traded around in the league, and then wherever he goes, he doesn't tend to get an opportunity. You know, he went from the Cavs to Minnesota, didn't get opportunity there. Went back home to Toronto, same thing. So, if he's gonna get minutes anyway, it's got to be on this team, right? Yeah, the biggest change though from that team from last season is the loss of Thad Young. He's yeah, only a half decent player. Yeah, besides yeah. Brooke Lopez, yeah, and he's and, gone. And I think another big difference for Brooklyn in a positive is they've brought in Kenny Atkinson as head coach. He's been around the league and have an assistant for about eight years, and he's highly respected for player development, which is probably the most important thing you need in Brooklyn at the moment with all these fringe NBA young players. So, and it, it, there's talk is that Kenny Atkinson has changed a lot of the scouts and a lot of the guys in the in the front office and in the basketball operations department, and most of the um the internal noise coming out of that is all positive. Now, obviously, that's not going to affect much on the court this season, but it steps in the right direction, yeah. which is, with this Brooklyn team at the moment, that's all you're looking for, is steps in the right direction for the future based on what, who they've hired to head coach, Kenny Atkinson, and what he's done so far off the court. It's positive. Well, I think for for the Nets, you know, having moved from New Jersey and stuff and not being so successful on the court, you're really looking to build a culture, bring build a positive positive culture. And I think... Kenny Atkinson can definitely do that. And especially with these young guys, that's what you want to... I wouldn't say more than, you know, the on-court success because on-court success is still important. But while wins may not be, you know, of your highest priority at this stage, you definitely need to build that culture in these young players so that, you know, when you eventually get out of this and you got your own assets back, that you can build something more sustainable going forward. All right, so where do we see these guys? Do you have anything else to add? To, the only to thing this? I would add is um, they've also brought in new GM Sean Marks, who's a San Antonio Spurs, Spurs prodigy. Yeah. So that's another good guy to have in your front office. I just think this is the year that they have to trade Brook Lopez. So he's 28 at the moment. He you want to get some assets in. You have to get assets because you get Lopez. He's got value. He's 28. What do you get back from him, though? You take anything for Brooklyn, wouldn't you? I mean, you assume that contending teams would be interested in Lopez. He can yeah. give you 20 and 7. That's what he averaged last year. He played 70-plus games, so he was healthy last year. So, I mean, if you're giving him to a contender, you're probably going to get late picks back and fringe young players. But if in Brooklyn's situation, what's more valuable? Is it keeping Lopez and winning maybe two to three more games? Or is it trading Lopez out, losing a couple more games because you weren't going to win many anyway? As a Celtics fan, do that. <laughs> yeah, do that. well, for Boston are rooting for it. But if you're Brooklyn, just take any pick because you never know you might draft a gem rather than keeping an aging big man. The only... I agree with you, Luke. The only thing I'm thinking is, you know, if you want to trade someone, there has to be a market for it, right? And where's the market for, you know, a big man who doesn't defend, doesn't rebound that well, you know? 
And it, you're right, he is beneficial for the team. Mm. You can't just get rid of whoever's making your team half decent. You still need good players around you. You need guys to kind of lead the younger players. You can't just get rid of whatever talent you have just for future draft picks because you don't know what they're going to become. Yeah. If you do have the talent there, regardless of the fact that it's still only going to get them probably the 14th or 15th overall place in the East, you do have to kind of keep some talent around you at all, I would have thought. And just one more thing on the net, just because I love this guy personally, is one Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. I think you are going to say Karis LeVert. I love Karis. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hollis-Jefferson played just 29 games last season due to a fractured ankle, but he showed that he could be an all-NBA-type defender. So, last year, going via ESPN's defensive real plus-minus metric, Hollis-Jefferson was fourth among guards, and he was only behind Danny Green, Chris Paul, and Tony Allen, who are all known as premier defenders in this league. So Hollis Jefferson, he has versatility, he has quickness, he has length, he's got strength. He's got everything you need to become an elite defender. Which, And uh, that's one of the reasons I'm watching Brooklyn this year, is to watch Hollis Jefferson on defense. He's not going to provide much offensively yet, but I think he's going to have an opportunity to play on the best player every single night. So we really get to see if there's something there for a superstar all-NBA defender in the future. Right, yeah, pretty. and while he doesn't show that much offensively yet, he still shot, you know, 63% in the mid-range this year, which, right. which I just looked at and surprised me. Um, so that's something maybe he could build off, and, you know, if he can extend extend that range to a three-point line, then the sky's the limit. Uh, what are your predictions for, uh, for the next two seasons? Not good. Uh, last, <laughs> last and last in, in the division and the conference. Yeah, same. We all agree. Yeah. <laughs> fifth and fifth. Not much debate there. Uh, let's move on to the Knicks. This is a team that I really don't know what to expect from them. And I think most people are kind of in the same boat. Last season, they were 13th, finished with 32 and 50 record. Brought in some big names, including one D Rose, as well as Joe Kim Noah, Courtney Lee, Brandon Jennings, Justin Holiday, a bunch of other guys as well. They have uh, gotten rid of Robin Lopez, Kevin Serafin, Derek Williams, Tony Roten, Anthony Early, a bunch of other guys as well. Uh, what do you guys think is going to happen in the New York for the Knicks? Because there's a lot of talent there, but I'm not entirely confident. I don't know what the hell is going to happen in New York, but they are a league pass team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they are absolutely oh, yeah. a league pass team. And whether it's good or bad, it's going to be can't miss basketball every single night. Is there any a time when we don't know what's happening in New York? Like, is, nope. it, is there any time we've gone into a season saying, you know what, I reckon the Knicks are going to be really good or I'm really bad this year. I'm confident they're going to finish We're sixth. Always, yeah, <laughs> always up in the air with the Knicks. But, I mean, it's... Because it, you look at this roster, and if you look at the names on paper, you have Kamala Anthony, he's still one of the best scorers in the league. Porzingis last season showed that he's got all-star potential. You're bringing in D-Rose, who was solid at the back end of last season. And then but you he ha- still has some concerns. Oh, massive, yeah. massive concerns, and especially off the court as well. Yeah. And you have um, Noah, who, when he's healthy, which is a big if, he can still be one of the most disruptive defenders in the league, and he's an on-court leader, which kind of New York... And he's a great big man passer as well. He's a great passer, and he's going to be really good off the court as well for the Knicks in the locker room, which is something they kind of lacked last year. But is it just with this team, it feels like there's too many questions and not enough answers. So yeah. is Rose and Noah going to be healthy? I mean, you've got the dilemma of who's going to handle the ball more between Rose and Anthony. Porzingis needs the ball to keep his development going. Um, they're not a great three-point shooting team. So is it... I don't know. Is there enough here to think 
They're going to win games. And the fact that they want to play three different types of offense. So they want to play the triangle, but they want to play the triangle in a little different way than what the triangle is yeah, usually played. It's all over they the want place. to play quicker. They want to play this. They want to play that. They don't know what they want to play. Yeah. And I think with the Knicks, it's just you can't go into a season with this many question marks and feel really confident yeah. of where you're going to go. Like I always say, talent does win games, and that's what New York got. They got talent. So they're going to win some games solely on talent of Carmelo. And Porzingis, because they did that a few times last year. Mm. You add Rose into the mix, it, despite all his deficiencies at the back end of last season, he was okay. So they will win games on talent alone. Will it be enough? That's another massive question. Probably the biggest one. Yeah, and I think while they've got you know big names to start, I think you once you look past their starting lineup, they've they they got not, nothing. There's not much. There. They got nothing. So you know. They might be able to stay afloat while D Rose, while Noah, Anthony are on the court, but and I think early on in the season, you know, because early early on in the season, you see a lot of these teams who are not quite talented. They hang around a lot, right? Because they got something to play for, and you'll see them hang around. But then once a bench unit comes in, guys like Lance Thomas, Willie Hernan Gomez, yeah, you know, they got another European guy as well whose name I'm not going to try and pronounce. <laughs> but um, another thing with the Knicks is. Are they going to be good enough defensively? Look at look at this team they've got together. Granted, Noah could be a really good defender, but again, the health issue is too yeah. big to concretely say Noah's going to make him a better defensive team. We know Carmelo's not a great defender. Pozingis slowed a bit defensively at the back end of the last season, but he can be okay. We know Rose isn't a great defender. Are they going to be good enough defensively to get enough stops? It looks like no. Yeah, that's what it looks like. And then I, I, I don't think offense will be much of an issue. I think they'll score. They whether, will, yeah. Whether they do so efficiently or not, probably a bigger question because you've got so many players who need the ball in their hands. There's not going to be a lot of ball movement there and shot selection's another issue off the back of that. But when you've got guys like Carmelo, Porzingis and Rose on your team, you're going to score. And and someone like Courtney Lee as well, who's Courtney definitely Lee, a big yeah. scorer who we can't, haven't really touched on so far. Yeah, he's yeah. P- he's probably their best three-point shooter yeah. on the and roster. And he's probably their best perimeter defender as well. He really gets after on the defensive end. He's, yeah. he's a great addition, to be honest. Uh, out of all their signings, addition, yeah. that, that, that's the best one. Yeah. yeah. Because, like we said, we've said it so many times already, but it's just you just don't know with Rose and Noah. You just don't know, are they going to be healthy? How much is Rose's off-court distraction going to affect his play on the court? There's so many is questions. He, is he going to miss time because of that as well? He could miss time. I mean, that's a, that's case, a very yes. real possibility, and in which case Brandon Jennings will be starting. Yep, who's another guy who needs the ball in his hands to be the, the most effective, I think one of, the best. one of the biggest questions uh, with the Knicks is, and it's kind of strange because it's their most known commodity, but... Is this the year we really see a decline from Carmelo Anthony? Because you talking about a guy who's been an elite scorer in the league for what thirteen, fourteen years now, and his points per average is points per game as that has dropped the last four years, from twenty eight to twenty one point eight last year. So, do we see another decline, or does he plateau? We don't know. Yeah, it's going to be tough to see. I, I can't see him falling away a lot. Yeah. And it's just a matter of how much of the torch is going to pass to Porzingis as well. Is he going to? Is he happy to pass that torch yet? That's the thing with this he team. He says he is, but you never really know. Everyone, no one's going to say they're not. Yeah. Who who takes the final shot for them? In, Mello. In, yeah, Mello? Still Mello. Still Mello. Yeah. 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 To me, if, still his team. If, if I'm a coach in the NBA and I could pick a player who I want the ball in his hands in the last five seconds to win the game, Mello's still in my top five choices. I still believe he's so reliable in the clutch. Yeah, and he showed that with Team USA, I think, as well. Yeah. Re- really, and... People were kind of surprised that he was on that team, uh, given his age and whatnot. But I think he really, 
he showed this maturity and I think he showed it last year with Paul Zingas as well where people expected him to kind of give Paul Zingas his cold shoulder but he really took him under his under his wing and showed this other side to him uh, to a Melo that actually needed team around you, you know yeah yeah <laughs> and and it was almost like a coming of age and it's funny because him and LeBron have been compared so much and this is a coming of age that LeBron had about 10 years ago yeah. um, <laughs> better but late than never Me- Me- Melo got it so <laughs> he got there eventually um, one thing is what do we think the ceiling is for Paul Zingas he he projects Ooh, to be something really high. special very high yeah it's a very it, this, there is superstar potential there, there yeah he shot 33% from three last year. I think he can definitely improve there. Get to 35, 36. If he, yeah, e- even higher because his shot mechanics are, again, really good. Um, and, yeah, if he if he sorts that out, and then he's, he's a great shot blocker as well. And he's, he's so athletic for his size. We've never seen a big man who can dribble and just do the things that he does offensively. Yeah. Uh, not, not, we, we, we've seen him before, but from what we saw last year as a rookie, coming straight out of the European system. Remember, he got booed on draft night because no one knew who the hell he this kid was. And he wasn't phased. No. He, he was not phased Wasn't phased by the New York market, which is something that could easily, easily get kids off their game. Yeah. Getting it by the New York market. We've seen him swallow so many people. Absolutely. And he was just so good in it last year. I mean, one thing we one thing we do know, that's not a question for the Knicks, is we know that New York media is going to have a lot of fun with them. We know yeah. they're definitely going to be front yeah. page material every single night, whether good, bad, or ugly, whatever it is. They're going to be on the front page, and it's going to be worth reading. And I think with Porzingis, he showed that because sometimes kids come into the league and they and they don't really know, you know, they got the fame and all that. He just loves playing the game, and I think that's so important, especially being being in a city like New York. It's very easy to get distracted. We've seen what happened to J.R. Smith, uh, yeah. but. Porzingis, he's coming. He really loves the game. He's always in the gym, always working out. We're always working out with Carmelo Anthony. So I think that's that's a very great sign. Absolutely. So what are your predictions for the uh, for the Knicks? I have the Knicks ninth in the Eastern Conference and ninth? third in the in the division. Yeah, yeah. I'll say third. Yeah, third and probably about between nine and twelve. I'll I think say. I think nine and twelve is probably even nine and thirteen. Maybe yeah, I, I think yeah. It's, last year. It's, it's on the talent factor. That, yeah. that, that'll win games in, in a weak Eastern Conference as well. Yeah, yeah. somewhere between nine and thirteen. I've got them at I think eleven. So right, they could they, 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 they were in that area last year, but it's not going to be enough. No, yeah. well, let's move on to the Philadelphia 76ers, one of the worst luck teams in the NBA. Last season, they did finish fifteenth in the East with a ten and seventy two record. Terrible. Obviously, the biggest additions in the offseason, Ben Simmons. Darius Saric comes over from uh, Europe as well. This is a team that could be a little bit better than last season, but with the injury to Ben Simmons, he's going to be out for a while. We don't know exactly how long. That's going to hurt, but at least we've, we're, we're going to be able to see Saric and hopefully Embiid as well, who you could al- almost say is, is an addition to the team yeah. as well. And I just wish we could have recorded this podcast last week so we could have talked about Ben Simmons. Yeah. Because yeah. now with the injury, I mean, it's most likely he's going to miss, if not all majority of his rookie season, yeah. which is just so, so unfortunate for him, for the um, the Sixers, who have just, like you mentioned, Chris, their luck, luck has just been horrible. There's nothing you can do about that. But it's just, it's such a shame because Simmons, he looked good in summer league. He'd put on he'd put on weight. Whether or not he put on as much yeah, as he was saying, 15 kilos. sounds a I'm, bit unlikely to put that much on yeah, in that little short amount of time. But he definitely, just looking at pictures of him training, he definitely looked more stronger. And you, the Sixers wanted. We spoke to Ben on draft night as well, and Brett Brown said he wanted to use him like a Draymond Green type. He wanted to use him as that point forward, which is what we saw in summer league. 
and now the Sixers, they don't have that. And for Ben, it's a lost year in his development. But that being said, it's all not bad because it, it, he's still, what, 19? Yeah, so but the issue like is that it's his foot. And it's his foot. feet for big men yeah. are a big concern. We've seen so many... Was it a Jones fracture? Careers. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, fr- a fraction in the fifth metatarsal. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure they called it a Jones fracture yeah. as well. It, it, it wasn't pretty. That's no the same one that Kevin Durant had. Yeah. yeah. So, so some people can get over it like Durant, but sometimes when you have issues with feet for big men, that's that's never a good thing. So hopefully he recovers very well because we want to see the 76ers go somewhere. We want to see Ben become the player that we all think he can, but uh, it won't happen this season. Yeah, and, and that's why I think even though... This is an injury where you can, you could potentially see him come back in two to three months. There's been talk that they might sit him out all year, and I think if they were to do that, you could totally understand, given that he's such a big investment for this team. But yeah. to the good news, Joel Embiid <laughs> is back, boys. Yes. Embiid. And how good has he looked in the... Pre- Granted, it is preseason. So you take and it there's with still a mass- time for him to get injured before the season starts. <laughs> don't, don't say that because the last one. <laughs> where's, where's the wood in here? Knock everywhere. Don't want to get the Sixers fans up and about about that. But like I said, it's been a preseason, so you take it for a grain of salt. But boy, he's looked explosive. Yeah, he looks, and he's pretty much played no basketball in in two years, right? But he doesn't look like he should be. He should be rusty, right? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't look rusty at all, and. Again, he's he's a guy that if he's healthy, has everything you want in the modern day big. He's athletic, he can jump out of the gym, he can defend perimeter players as well as he can defend bigs. He can shoot the ball. He's, he's been shooting threes in the preseason. He's been pulling up for free. He's, well. he's yeah. been taking it with no hesitation he's got whatsoever. No, he's got no lack of confidence, which no. is, is going to see him thrive regardless. And I think it's it's almost that it's, it's a sense of Good goodwill and hope that the Sixers just need going into the season. Yeah, they yeah. haven't had it previously. Like they had it for Okafor last year, but not to this extent of Embiid. The two-year wait, we saw how good he was at Kansas, and it's it's exciting because you when you feel like you're watching the Sixers now, you think, okay, what's Embiid going to do today? But yeah, then again, as yeah. good and as great he's going to be, well, we think he's going to be. Granted, he stays healthy. Is now they've got a massive logjam among the, amongst their bigs with, as I mentioned, Okafor. And Nerlens Noel and as Saric well. as well. And Saric. So you just think, who's... You've seen Noel speak about it, saying he's not quite sure what the Sixers are doing, having Embiid, Okafor, and Noel on the same team. Which is why it's okay that Simmons is injured in the end. I know he wasn't really going to play much of that position anyway, but that's a lot of tools to have on one list. So it kind of works out all right. You bring Saric in, who's definitely ready. He's played... Two, two or three years in, in Europe now. Yeah. He's played a few, yeah. So his yeah. game's well. ready. His played game's well. ready. He's, and he played well for Croatia as well. Yeah, so yeah. it's not as if he's a guy coming in at 18, relatively raw. He's ready to play straight away, so there is going to be a bit of a log jam, but it'll be interesting to see how they all kind of figure out who plays where and what they want to do. And they got Richwan Holmes, who was... Yeah, actually Holmes. Rashawn Holmes. Came along, really, <laughs> came along really well last, last year. And in the preseason, been averaging 16 points and seven rebounds a game. So he's another one that I think you got to add in. If, if you're the Sixers, you're a front office, it, it, let's assume they're going to trade one of the three bigs. Who would you trade first? Noel, Okafor, or Embiid? Obviously, it's, Okafor. Not a, it's not Embiid. So it's really out of Noel and Okafor. Because we saw last year, they could not play well together. They just uh, When they were on the court together last yeah. season, the Sixers were even worse than what they are usually. Well, I would say theoretically Okafor, but like I said before, he's, he's another one of those dying breed of bigs that... Which means you yeah. won't have much trade value. Exactly. So you don't really know. It so, depends on how everyone else, all the other front offices... 
evaluate each player, but you'd say Whereas if in, you can get the most, if you can get the same amount for everyone, you probably yeah, get rid of Okafor. Yeah, you would, but at this stage, I you're probably likely to get more back for Noel, given that rim protectors are at a premium in the league. Yeah, and he's one of the best. His defensive attributes for Noel's Noel is. F- Absolutely unbelievable. He's he's already shown he's one of the best defenders in the league, right? Because he can de- defend the rim like crazy. He can he's he's got this little quickness about him that not many people see that he can guard guys out on the perimeter as well. He's versatile, which is probably the most important defensive attribute in the league at the moment. His versatility. You have to be able to switch on pick and rolls, do a whole heap of different things, which Noel can do. And again, he's still only twenty two. So he's still very young. We know he's very, very raw offensively. He can't do anything outside the protected area, but you don't you don't need him to. If you just put him in a pick-and-roll situation and have him go into the basket and then finishing a dunk, he can do that. He's not a great free-free shooter, which there's not many bigs who are. But uh, So yes, Noel probably has more value now, but I just think Okafor is only 20, and he showed really, really good signs last year. So... I would probably lean towards getting rid of Noel before Okafor, just because I think Okafor's got a higher higher ceiling than Nerlens. Yeah, and you talked about Noel, and and he's for all his brilliance on the defensive end, he doesn't con- contribute much offensively. A player that reminds he reminds me of a lot is actually Tristan Thompson, and yeah, we saw good call. and we saw Tristan Thompson in the finals was excellent. He was probably the Cavs' third best player. So if a guy like that. He's always going to contribute to winning. So, do you want to necessarily trade him away? I, I don't know. Yeah, it'd be interesting. What are your predictions, boys? Um, I have them fourth in the in the division and fourteenth in the yeah. conference, all behind Brooklyn. Yeah, they'll exactly. they'll definitely be better than last season. Uh, I think they'll win around, I'd say, twenty twenty games. Is that too generous? Um, I'll probably still go mid to high teens. Yeah, seventeen, yeah. maybe mid to high yeah. teens, which isn't a bad thing at all because you get a. You get more lottery balls in the ping pong yeah, machine. And, and that's what you want in this year's year, draft. Yeah. 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 So, so, but all being said, I mean, is the most important thing... As long thing as you've got improvement, that's all. Yeah. And the most important thing with Philly this year is they've got a direction now. They can see light at the end of the tunnel. It's just they like... They got their number one pick. <laughs> the monkey's yeah, off the back. Yeah. And it's it's just unfortunate, like we mentioned off the top when we started talking about this team, is... It's just a shame that Ben Simmons got hurt. That's right. They've still got Timothy Luawu coming in uh, as a first-round draft pick who's a 3-and-D guy who I really like coming out of Europe. So hopefully he gets some minutes as well. Um, well, opportunity's not going to be... Um, Philadelphia's not going to be low on opportunities. So every yeah. player on that roster will have a chance to I think. Themselves. I think for them this season, to be honest, if Joel Embiid gets through it, I'm scared. I think that's a successful season. For yeah, I think yeah, it would be. Really, really. Let's move on to the Raptors, who finished last year second in the East with a 56 and 26 record. They've added guys like Yoka uh, Pertl, Pascal Siakam, Jared Salinger from uh, the Celtics, and Fred Van Vliet out of Wichita State. They have lost Bismack Biombo, who was fantastic in the playoffs last year against Cleveland, but really, apart from that series, didn't do a whole bunch. So he was essentially recruited just from that series against I think Cleveland. that was a blessing in disguise for them. Yeah. Yeah. Because you saw the contract he was given by Orlando, what, four years, 70 million? A lot. Around that mark. Uh, something well, coming off there. the back of a playoff series. One playoff series and a guy who, again, while he, for all he does on the defensive end, is a, practically a zero. It's a potato on yeah. the offensive end. Yeah. Yes. Like, he can't even catch a ball. Right. That bad. So, I don't I, I thought it was a blessing in disguise for them, and 
that combined with keeping DeMar DeRozan was a great summer. And signing Sully for essentially nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah which you take. So uh, for the Raptors, it starts in the backcourt with Lowry and DeRozan. So we saw last year they had career best years. We could probably say they're both in their prime. DeRozan probably still a few years off. He's probably still entering his prime. Lowry's definitely in there. Um, we saw how good they can be last year, but it's just a question of whether they're good enough in the playoffs. Can their games translate to the playoffs? So we know DeRozan cannot shoot a three-point shot. DeRozan's got, DeRozan plays that offense that's kind of dying in the NBA in terms of he takes a lot of mid-range shots. He likes to handle the ball a lot. He can't shoot the free. He's not a great playmaker. But that being said, this guy was still an all-star. He, he scored over 20 points a game last year. So we know he can score. Defensively, he's a hit and miss. Lowry's a better defender. So it, it, if you ask most teams if you would take Lowry and DeRozan in their backcourt, you say yes. Yeah. So in that case, they're, 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 they are. They're all-star players. But are they good enough? Because that, that's where it starts with Toronto. If they're not playing well, which we saw in the playoffs in some games, they, they can't, they've got no chance of winning. Yeah, they look like a t- totally different team. Yeah, so just the question is, can they do it? We know during the regular season, this team's going to win over 50 games. They're going to probably make the All-Star game again, those two. It's when you get down to the playoffs. You know, Eastern Conference Finals last year, they got blown out by the Cavs in a few games. Sorry, Keith. So it's just a matter of, can these guys do it on the big stage? Because we know the Raptors, we know who they are now. They've set themselves a benchmark of being, this team is a is a team that can win 50-plus games. That can be the second seed. They've got one of the best home um, home court advantages in the league. When that Toronto found, Toronto crowd is on, it's deafening. But it's just... It, it's a question mark, because if you can't do it in the in the playoffs, well, you can't, you can't win at all. Yeah, and I think that last year, obviously they had... Before last year, they had a few years where they had been really promising in the regular season and then been bounced out in the first round. So I think last year showing showing everyone that they can get through the playoff grind albeit not not perfectly, I think it's going to stand them in good stead going forward and it'll show them that hey we're 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 a contender in the east, you know, we we can't let people just walk over the top of us and ignore what we do on the in the regular season. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, Yoka Pirtle, who we mentioned before, who's a big man coming out of Utah, played for Utah in college. This is a guy who could definitely become one of the favorites for the uh, Rookie of the Year. Selected at ninth overall, so a top 10 pick. Really has the skills, both offensively and defensively. Can shoot the three. Has this has the game for for the modern NBA. So he's someone that you can certainly look out for to give on the 15, 20 minutes a game and really contribute to it, to the team. I yeah, think he'd be he, definitely someone to watch. He can be a weapon off the bench and speak and keeping on the topic of their big men is Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah. So who he, was injured in that series, that last series as well. He yeah. was. Would have been very important. He probably had his best season last year as, as well as most sort of Raptors, which is the case when you win a franchise record games. Is majority of your players have career best years. Yeah. And he's he's really effective when he gets the ball offensively. He's a really polished, nice finisher at the basket. Uh, he's a tough matchup for most um, big men, opposing big men's. So he he's got that that offensive potential. It's just a matter of if he can if he can get enough rebounds and do it defensively. There always seems to be a question mark and stigma around Jonas Valanciunas. Is he's this kind of this kind of bust, which is a really unfair label to put on him? Because I feel like a lot of people feel like he can be so much better than what he is. Yeah. But what he is, I think it's really good. He showed that last year. I think, yeah, he is a really good player. And, and you look at his per 36 numbers and it's 18 and 12 and you'd take that any day. Absolutely would. I think this is where Toronto can kind of go to another level is if they use Valanciunas more and play through him more, 
that that gives them a totally new dimension. Because you see in the playoffs, teams, what they do is they know they don't use this guy offensively that much. So they're really keen on Lowry and DeRozan. And hence you see Lowry and DeRozan's effectiveness really go down during the postseason. But you go to Valanciunas a bit more, he's a legit 7-1, which how many people can you say a 7-1 in the league, right? So you start to play through him, and especially against teams like the Cavs, who we know don't really have too many bigs, I, I think that could be something where they could they can definitely advance. But it's just that question again is, is Valanciunas going to get the amount of opportunities that he needs? Because by giving him more of the ball, it means DeRozan and Lowry getting less of the ball. And we know DeRozan and Lowry are at their best when they've got the ball. So it's an interesting little conundrum there as because you've got all these three guys who can... um who can really play really good basketball. They need the ball in their hands. But we know one area where the Raptors are really good is defensively. They're one of the league's best defensive teams. Um, they've got guys like Norman Powell off the bench, who's he in his first years and last season was a really, really good defender. And he no one really saw it coming. Terrence Ross is getting better on that end. And they've obviously got a healthy Damari Carroll this year, we hope. Which is huge. It's a massive, it's massive difference for their team because we know he's a really good 3-and-D player. We saw, um, if because if, if they want to try and knock off Cleveland, they need someone who can at least limit LeBron. Yeah. And Carroll's a guy who can do that. Yeah, and they got a really solid backup point guard in Corey Joseph. Yeah. Who's probably, I would say, the best backup point guard in the league. He's definitely up there. Wow, the best backup point yeah. guard in the league. Who's better? It's a good question. I'm going to have to think about it. I'll come to you next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's you, the topic sure. for next week. Tune in next week. <laughs> No, it, it, it's what it, we call a cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really good, it's a really good Cut point because Joseph and he's another guy who's a really good defender as well. Yeah, exactly. He's a really good defender. He can hit the three point shot, um, and he he's got the reliability factor, which is so important for backup point guards. You got to, the coach is going to know if I put the ball in your hands, are you going to make the right decision? Are you not going to turn the ball over? Are you going to play hard defense? Joseph is a tick of the box in all those categories. Um, the, the, Can we say Patty Mills is a backup point guard? He's definitely a backup, but I would take Matthew Delvadova. What well, we mentioned this on last uh, episode, Matthew Delvadova is a backup point He's guard as a starting point guard. So he takes him out of the conversation. <laughs> um, but with the Raptors, I think probably their biggest concern is um, offensively. Have they got enough creativity there? Yeah. Is there enough there where they can go punch for punch with an offense like Cleveland's? Because let's be honest, that's who they're chasing. Them and Boston, they're chasing Cleveland. Yeah. So it's really a matter of um, getting all of. Toronto's strengths and matching them up against Cleveland's and you just look at the Raptors offensively it's off the back of Lowry and DeRozan and Valanciunas being so ball dominant there's not enough there's not really a lot of creativity there there's not a lot of um, ball movement or off ball screens or movement or things of that nature to really say this team can score enough points and put enough um, put enough good moves in their game plan to take their offense to the next level do you think they might be better suited by Lowry kind of taking a step back as a as a scorer and really looking for guys this year. I think so. I think so because I think DeRozan could be a top scorer on the team, hundred percent. He, he should be. He should be. Yeah. It's just uh, you'd hope he's improved his three point shot this year. 
that's that's the basic major concern because it just it shrinks the floor so much. Yeah. In this modern NBA, when you have your top scorer who cannot hit the um the outside shot effectively, it just takes away so so much of what you can do. And we mentioned it off the top as well about Biombo how it could be a blessing in disguise, but he's also going to be a big loss, not a massive loss, but in terms of he gave him a t- sense of toughness and rim protection. He was uh, very energetic as well. He was energetic, so that gives him a bit of a loss. They do probably do have replacements for that. But it's his impact's going to be felt. How much is going to be felt, we don't know. But it's not like they're going to instantly forget that they've lost Biombo. Yeah. I think with this team, one thing that helps them stay in a lot of games is they've they got a very good and very reliable bench. We talked about Corey Joseph, who I th- I thought was one of the best backup point guards in the league. You got Norman Powell, like you said, Terrence Ross, Jared Salinger this year, who's a very good when he when he's up against bench bench bigs. He's he's pretty good, so they're going to be able to stay in a lot of games. Yeah. It's it's whether the late game offense, whether whether they got enough in that tight game to get them through. Because we know with their bench, with their defense, they're going to be there or thereabout. Big time. So your predictions, you both got them uh, uh, second first? and second. Oh, s- second in the conference and first in the division. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, th- I think second because they're proven that. They've been together for what three, four years. They, 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 they've they've got the um the, the continuity factor, yeah, which I've, Boston don't have yet. Adding in Horford, it's yeah. a new face. As good as they've looked in preseason, it's still a new face coming into the system. Toronto, they've been around for a long time. They've got a good head coach in Dwayne Casey, so you know what you're going to get. They're a proven um they're a proven team around the league. So they, they won, I think, it was 56 games last 56, year, yeah. which was a franchise record. Do they reach that? Who knows? But they'll definitely be in the 50s. Yeah, I think. They've they've built a really good, really solid culture, and I think that's going to stand them in good stead coming coming to this season as well. And you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. I, the think, Celtics. I think it is a coin flip between them and the Celtics. Yeah, it's the only like a few. Before. It's a couple of wins. Coin it's a couple of wins. Those two. Coin flip between the Nets and the 76ers for that uh, the last two spots in the division. That brings us to the end of the show. I didn't make any more mistakes after the first two minutes. Yeah. I don't think I, I might be wrong. I we got, we got have, used to a new studio eventually. We, we did. I, I feel settled in. I feel more comfortable now. <laughs> At the start, I, I was just rattled. Everything's so close. You're all just yeah. so close to me. And now next week we're going back into the old studio. So I'll be Sorry. fine again. It's just like home, just like home and yeah, away. We we're, just, we're just on a long road trip. It's okay. We'll be, we'll be back home next week. <laughs> we're, we're road performers. We're, we're, we're clutch performers. We struggled yeah. a bit in the first quarter. <laughs> By the end, we were, we were a race. So well, we were hey, Chris, why, once you silence the away crowd, you know, that, that's the first step to a, to a road win. <laughs> exactly. Luke, where can we find all your stuff? And actually, we should mention that you're writing a lot of previews. We're going... Team by team, yep. you're writing a 2016-17 season preview for all the teams coming up in the NBA season, so you can find that at the SEN America website. So if you go to the SEN America tab on the SEN.com.au website, you can find it there as well as through at SEN America as well and your own Twitter account as well, at Luke Sakari. Yeah, they're all there. We're about halfway through the teams at the moment, so... I'm doing them in alphabetical order. I've got a pin tweet on my profile that has all the previews there in an easy-to-find place. I've got all the links there in different tweets. So it, we're doing burning questions. We're doing best-case, worst-case for those teams. We're doing additions and departures. So if, if you want to load down on your team or any other team... Follow yeah. Luke Sakari. Yeah. <laughs> and Chris, you're probably doing something or other. I'm doing something. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing something. I'm doing something. You're, yeah. you're working hard regardless. Uh, I, I'm, work, I'm working behind the scenes, you know. Well, what's your Twitter account? Just uh, give us a Twitter account before at you At CDSilver23. Perfect. Really good Cav stuff on a few blogs around the web from Chris Silver. Thank you. I appreciate and it. And on Believe so. the Hype as well. He's got some really good columns. And mine is at Christos Tyler if you want to hit me up as well. Boys, we'll see you uh, midweek for, uh, for the next uh, division preview. We'll do. Looking forward one, to it.